You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. And hey, if you're listening on YouTube, I hope that was a nice little treat for you. We're going to get into the Bengals-Vikings week one matchup today. We're going to start the show with the most important factors, we think, in terms of what's going to decide the game on Sunday. We're get, then going to get into some individual matchups on the offense and defense, James. And we've got four, four keys to success for this team. And we're going to start out with what the defense has to do to slow down the Minnesota Vikings offense. We talked with Luke yesterday about some of this. We talked about how things are going to change in Minnesota without Irv Smith. But you listen to Lou Anarumo talk. You listen to Mike Hilton talk. Everyone's saying the same thing. They're in lockstep in Paul Brown Stadium. It starts with slowing down Dalvin Cook. Has to. They they have to find a way to contain him. And uh, Luana Rumo was, you know, just offered nothing but praise for Cook, and, and rightfully so, because as feel good of a story as it would be that this Bengals defense has turned a corner, right, and they've brought in the right guys, and it fits Anarumo's scheme that can go out the door in about two drives on Sunday if you aren't careful. And it starts with Dalvin Cook because if he's getting to the edge and he's making guys miss and he's breaking arm tackles and he's making Logan Wilson in this defensive line and you know linebackers and maybe even the secondary, you hope he's not getting to the secondary, uh, specifically the safeties, unless you're Von Bell, I guess. But if he's making those guys look silly early on, then it's just going to be a long day for the Bengals' defense. There's there's no denying it because there's just too many weapons. It's too hard to contain this defense if you can't slow down Dalvin Cook. It's easy to say every week stop the run is, is a primary key for defense, but I think for this team in particular and for the, the schedule that they play this year, we won't be talking about it next week, for example, with the Chicago Bears. For, for the Bears, if it's Andy Dalton starting as expected, we're going to talk about disrupt Andy Dalton make Andy Dalton make mistakes. And that's maybe looking into the future to next week. But when it's an explosive running back, one of the best running backs in the league in a guy like Dalvin Cook, who's going to make your one and a half gapping defensive lineman wrong and is going to make your linebackers wrong, is going to make you over pursue and is going to punish you for doing so, has breakaway speed. I don't care what he ran at his 40. We've seen him run away from many defenses in the NFL it becomes very important, especially when you get to the second key, in my opinion, James, which is making Kirk Cousins uncomfortable. And he's not going to be uncomfortable if the Bengals defense is on its heels because they don't know what to do with Dalvin Cook. And we, we've talked about this all week. Getting the Minnesota offense behind the chains and putting it on Kirk is step one. But I was talking to Luke and there are plenty of highlights of Kirk Cousins hitting deep vertical throws. A lot of those off play action for sure. But the second thing is making him uncomfortable, not only getting the offense entirely in third and seven, third and long, but also actually getting pressure on Kirk Cousins. We'll talk about some of the individual matchups that we we briefly got into yesterday with Luke in part three of the show. when we look at the Bengals defensive matchups that are going to be important, but finding a way to make Kirk Cousins improvise, 
That is where he is uncomfortable. That is where he becomes a version of Andy Dalton, probably a better version of most years of Andy Dalton, maybe taking 2015 out. That, that's really what Kirk Cousins is. When he can operate within the confines of the offense, when he doesn't have to improvise, when things go well, he can beat you. But you take away the run and you start getting pressure, that's when things get dicey. For sure. I, I mean, to me, if Cook gets into a rhythm and then you take him away midway through the game, well, Kirk might already be in that rhythm. Because what is he? You know, the 15th best quarterback in the starting quarterback in the league. Maybe he's 18th or 20th, like whatever, wherever you put him. But once you get into a rhythm, anyone can be a top 10 guy on any given Sunday, as they say. And, and Kirk is that, especially a guy with those type of weapons. So, yeah, if you were to tell me, and, and this is why it's unlikely, this is why Cook, as dynamic as he is, it would be one thing if he went off and you knew Kirk was going to have a bad game. But Cook going off leads to Kirk probably having a good game. And the you know, we always talk about, you know, the, the likeliness or, you know, the range of outcomes. How in the world is Kirk going to completely struggle? I mean, it would be a complete outlier if Cook goes off and the Bengals defense is reeling from the run game. And, and Kirk can't hit these receivers like it would just because it, it's probably some easy pitch and catch. It's some third and in short type situations, second and short type situations that just benefit the offense and benefit the quarterback. But uh, so to me, they go hand in hand and force some turnovers. Can we do that? Can you, you get Kirk Cousins to throw pick six? We've heard a lot about Chido Bayouzie, right? How good would it be for him? To, uh, to take one to the house, pick off Kirk Cousins and take it to the house, a ball intended for Justin Jefferson in front of a packed PBS. That, uh, that, that would be a, an ideal scenario for the Bengals, specifically early in the game or late, I guess. Anytime. You'll take one anytime. Yeah, there's been an emphasis <laughs> on turnovers for sure. And, and disrupting Kirk, getting him to improvise is probably where he starts to get a little shaky and potentially throw the game away. So those are a couple of keys on the other side of the ball when the Bengals are on offense. And we'll talk about some of the individual matchups again that will lead to these keys either being achieved or not. We talk a lot about third downs. And you look at third down conversion rates. The key for the Bengals against a Mike Zimmer defense. Think back to when Mike Zimmer was coordinating the defense in Cincinnati. Where did his defensive thri defenses thrive the most? On third and long. So what does that mean? It means you have to stay on schedule on first and second down. Yes, you feel good if Joe Burrow's healthy about his ability to improvise. And he was actually pretty good in third and long last year, as, as good as you can be, I think. Like that was not a place where the Bengals were egregiously bad. But I do think they let themselves get behind the chains too often last year. It's obviously always a goal. But against a Mike Zimmer defense in particular, you get to third and seven plus. I mean, this is one of the best defenses in the league year in, year out. If you're coached by Mike Zimmer and you're going against a third and long on defense, you feel really good about your chances. And it's it's one of those things we've seen the Bengals struggle with and struggle with a lot last year. And then you, you say, all right, Joe, save us. And then you're in third and long and he's throwing downfield and has to try to extend plays. And I don't want that for Burrow in his comeback. And that's the fourth key, right? As Burrow returns, how does he look? How mm -hmm. is he going to perform? And it all ties together because if you're the Bengals, if you get on the first, you know, a decent amount of yards on that first down, well then second and manageable third and short, it's exactly where you want to be second and short, right? And that's going to make life easier on number nine as he gets acclimated. Cause again, Jake, and I mentioned it on the crossover, 
I'm a little worried that there's going to be another mental hurdle or two that Burrow has to get over that he might not even know is coming yet. And it's going to happen on Sunday. Well, the way he gets over that, you still win the game is if you make life easy on him and get your guy into a rhythm, which again, you know, it goes hand in hand. If you can get second and short, third and short, uh, I like Burrow's chances, even against a a Mike Zimmer type defense that I I think is going to have a chip on its shoulder to show that last year was kind of the, the outlier type season. I mean, they, like the Bengals, were playing a ton of guys off the street last year, tons of new starters on that side of the ball. And there are a lot of individual matchups that we'll talk about when the Bengals offense is on the field that will matter quite a bit. But you're absolutely right, James. There may or may not be something coming from Burrow. That is why he is the fourth key. We we don't know exactly what he's going to look like yet. He had three preseason plays that there was literally no risk of him coming into contact with anybody. So... That's by design. Of course, you don't want him taking unnecessary hits, but I personally, James, have chosen not to worry about him getting hit. I've chosen to believe in Joe Burrow because you think back to, you know, the hit that sprung his career at LSU. He, he kind of was, was in, a, in many ways propelled to greatness is a theory by a crushing hit that he comes back from and then continues to win for the rest of his college career. That being said, Let's talk about some of these individual matchups, and we'll start when the Bengals' offense is on the field. Coming up next. If Joe Burrow needs to get ready for Sunday, maybe any of the Bengals that need to get ready for Sunday, they need to get their hands on a Built Bar. We talk about it all the time. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. I crushed a couple today on my way to Paul Brown Stadium, and look, they're amazing. Covered in 100% chocolate. They taste like a candy bar but they have great macros, high in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. Whether you're in the gym and you need a post-workout protein punch or you know a meal replacement midday type snack to get you through, Built Bar is for you. They have nine delicious flavors. You can check them out right now at Built.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON and you're going to get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code locked on for 15% off at built.com. James, we hope that the offensive line has been on the built bar plan. We've talked about the offensive line a ton in this preseason, but going back to our keys for the offense, staying on schedule for first and second down is certainly a big one. And the offensive line and Joe Mixon and this new running scheme with Frank Pollock will have a lot to do with that. Minnesota, I'm sure Mike Zimmer is going to have a plan against what he's expecting this Bengals offensive running game to do. We're probably going to see bare fronts. We have, we we joked with Luke on the crossover show yesterday about the stockpile of very good nose tackles, run stuffing interior defensive linemen (laughs) on the Minnesota team. And for the Bengals, we've talked all preseason about how are Xavier Suofilo and Quentin Spain going to perform. We've mostly been talking about them in pass protection. That has been the concern for protecting Joe Burrow this entire offseason, and rightfully so, I think. But when we talk about the way that I think this team wants to attack defenses, it is to run an offense. Yes, they're going to be 11 personnel predominantly, but... They want to be under center more often this year. I've talked about that quite a bit. They want to run that play action stuff. And Mm -hmm. yes, you can run play action without running the ball. But 
you don't want to get in third and long against Minnesota. So to do that, you want to run the ball successfully on early downs. And a lot of that is going to be do Xavier Suofilo and Quentin Spain perform well. And I guess Trey Hopkins even, who has a very tough matchup against very good nose tackles and he's hardly played. Do those guys play well as a unit in the running game early with this new run scheme that requires more athleticism than perhaps they, than they have. Sure. And, and, and that's the thing is really the interior of the offensive line is, is Hopkins league average going into week one. Can, cause that's where he was pre-injury. What's really hard, much like Burrow for me to expect him to just be that. I mean, he got hurt in freaking January. I mean, it was, it was the season finale last year in, you know, last January, I guess you, you'd say, but that's uh, it's just a lot when you only see him out there for a couple of snaps. The Bengals obviously are confident in him, so we'll see. And the the holding penalty, right, that was called on Quentin Spain on the screen pass to Joe Mixon in, in week two of the preseason. Are those plays, like, those are plays especially backed up in your own end zone that you can't have early in this game. Like, because the, those are the rhythm plays, right? So it's it, to me, part of it's the run game, you're right, but the athleticism is the key. Because that's a, a run in my eyes. Like Mixon, I think, is going to have a lot of runs like that where it's just an extension of the running game and hopefully you break them for 15 or 20 yards with a quick short screen pass or something like that. And you need Spain to be out there and not get called for holding. Even if it was a borderline call, I'm not here to argue the call. You don't want it called. And, and so that's the test for these guys. And, and I agree with you. If they perform well, then this offense has a decent shot and a realistic shot to get in those second and in, in shorts, third and shorts, which bodes well for, for Burroughs' chances of getting comfortable. And we talked a little bit about, you know, Jonah Williams and DJ Wanham yesterday. The other side is equally interesting, probably more interesting. It's, it's definitely interesting. scarier for, for a Bengals fan. Daniil Hunter is by far the best pass rusher on the Minnesota Vikings. He's going to go up against Riley Reef. Mike Zimmer's mm-hmm. best friend. He has the codes to Mike Zimmer's house, apparently. He can go have the beers whenever he wants, said Mike Zimmer in his press conference and spoke really highly of Riley Reef, but he has his work cut out for him with Daniil Hunter and pass protection. I think that one more or less speaks to itself. And you got to a point that I want to discuss a little bit more, James, which is Joe Mixon's role. You talk about the screen game. We, we saw an emphasis on screen installation, I think, in this preseason from this offense. We saw a lot of screen game. But we're also hearing that he's doing the work to be out there and has made massive strides as a pass protector, should be out there more on third downs. We also saw Chris Evans score a touchdown on a slot fade. Is Joe Mixon going to be running some of those slot fades? Will there be a concerted effort to get him more involved as a receiver? Because, you know, Joe Goodberry, who we had on, I believe, on Sunday, Monday, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. talked about, on Twitter recently, you know, Joe Mixon at Oklahoma was was a receiving weapon. And and he and I talked about this quite a bit when when he was doing your old job, James. And, um, you know, we'll see if there is an expanded role for Joe Mixon this year. Certainly think if he's healthy, this coaching staff has made it sound like they want him on the field as much as possible. For sure. And, and to me, whether it's fair or not, Joe Mixon thinks he's the best running back in, on Sunday's game and in Sunday's game. And this is the first time, if you got gave Joe truth serum, I think he feels like he's going to be utilized the way he needs to be utilized to maximize that and showcase that. 
And part of that is as a receiver. And Zach Taylor said it earlier this week. Well, Joe was on pace for, uh, you know, the lead, the NFL would be one of the top guys in the NFL in touches when you combine receptions and rushing attempts last year through five weeks. Well, that sounds good, but they never got the running game going. And yeah, he made some big plays against Jacksonville, but outside of that, Joe Mixon was really non-existent and that can't be the case. What you want by week three, week four, week five is the Bengals opponents. Week four, it's the Jags. Week five, it's the Packers. The, those locked on hosts to be saying what we said at the top. Well, how the hell do you stop Joe Mixon? I mean, he's so tough in this wide zone and they get the ball to him out of the backfield and they get it. They, they find a way to, to put him in space. That's what you hope is the case in, in the conversation is a month month from now. And so Sunday is our first chance to see if the Frank Pollock edition and all of these changes uh, are going to put 28 in a position to, to really maximize his talents. Because I think we both agree. I don't know if underutilized is the word, but I don't think Joe Mixon's ever reached his full potential yet. Uh, you know, if his career ended today and heaven forbid that happened, I don't think he's ever reached that, that top best Joe we've ever, you know, we could have seen. And I think there is a chance that we see that this year. Yeah, certainly at games where it's been, oh yeah, that's the dominant Joe Mixon that you're you're looking for, that you're paying this extension to, but we we haven't seen it really sustained for a full season, mm-hmm. and and that's not all on Joe. Some of that is the way yeah. games have gone, how he's been used, how the offensive line has performed, and and you hope that this year he takes that step because that would be obviously a big deal for this offense. Is trying to take some of the burden off of Joe Burrow's shoulders to some degree and be more balanced, not be straight dropping back on empty formations on third and 11 and getting him in a position where he's taking extra hits. Nobody wants to see him take extra hits this year. And while he does invite some of that on himself, and we've talked about that, I think this will be a point of emphasis for the offense this year. We should talk about Joe Burrow and how he's going to match up with Mike Zimmer and Harrison Smith back there. I think we talked about that with Luke yesterday. So if you're curious about the chess match aspect, you can go listen to the way that the Vikings will try to trick Joe Burrow on the crossover show with Luke yesterday. Last thing that we didn't talk about yesterday that I want to talk about today, James, is, well, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Minnesota secondary does not strike fear into me. Cameron Dantzler, not even playing, apparently. He lost a job to Brashad Breland, and the Patrick Peterson, Jamar Chase, LSU contest should be fun to watch. And uh, I think Luke... He made a great point on Twitter today, James. He should get a great jersey swap between those two after the game. Oh, I hope so. I, and I, I hope it's a jersey swap where Jamar signs his name and he puts three TDs after it. Uh, P.S. I can catch this ball even though there's no stripes on it. No. Um, look, I I actually think Jamar's going to have a pretty big game. I, I've been bullish on him. I did videos last week and wrote about, you know, kind of his fantasy value and stuff. And I just think they're going to move him all around. And it not that they're going to like get in the way of winning, but they think Jamar is going to help them win. So they're going to put Jamar in a position to help them win, which is move him all over the field. And and uh, so, yeah, I think Chase is certainly someone that uh, that could have a big game. All these receivers could, but it comes down to number nine and how comfortable he is. And if there's any hurdles on Sunday, which – I don't think anyone knows the answer, including him, until we get out there and watch him play. That's true. I am generally excited, though, to see if all this fanfare around this wide receiver unit plays out this weekend, right? Mike Zimmer coaches good secondaries. This is a pretty good secondary, but 
If this is a unit that's going to push for multiple thousand yard receivers, let's see that start in week one. Coming up next, James, let's get into this defense and the important matchups that we haven't gotten into yet on that side of the ball. We spent a lot of time talking about Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase. Maybe you think one or multiple guys, or maybe all three guys are going to be in the running for a big time award, whether it's Joe Burrow for NFL MVP or comeback player of the year, Mixon for comeback player of the year, Jamar Chase for offensive rookie of the year. You can bet on all of those things at betonline.ag. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. So if you want to bet on my Bearcats on Saturdays and the Bengals on Sundays, you can do so. Get all the uh, all the updated odds, props, contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest at betonline.ag. So go there now, betonline.ag, and sign up for free. And when you go to make that first deposit, use promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get a 100% welcome bonus. That's free money, baby. Take advantage of it now. Go to Bet Online again. Promo code locked on. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Have you looked at the line, by the way, for the the Bengals Vikings? Is it like still Vikings two and a half or something like that? Last I saw, it was three and a half. Is it down to two and a half? I thought I thought it started at two and a half. Three and a half is news to me. You know who? You know what Joe Burrow's really good at? Cover. Checking again right now. Yeah. You know what a cover is as a home underdog against the Minnesota Vikings? Probably a win. But there are some matchups on this defensive side of the ball, James, that we should talk about. And, you know, we talked about it's some three. of this. It's three now? It's okay. three right now, Jake. Yep. So, so get it now difference. while it's three. Because that's uh, Money McPherson. That's him. Yeah. 57-yard field goal. Game winner. Let's go. Uh, anyway, defense. Uh, we, we talked a lot about DJ Reader yesterday. I think one of the keys that we talked about at the top of the show, James, is obviously stopping uh, Dalvin Cook. So let's start there. Let's let's start with Logan Wilson. And I think Jermaine Pratt is, is going to be the other linebacker we see for the, the majority of the time because Minnesota is going to put CJ Ham on the field and they're going to run 21 personnel with two running backs, I think, unless they get into third and long. And they might do some 11 personnel in neutral situations and get an extra wide receiver on the field in the slot. But this is a team that wants to use our two elite wide receivers and their two elite running backs because CJ Ham is an elite run blocking fullback. And that actually terrifies me uh, to a larger degree than we've discussed. I think to this point this week, James larger degree than we discussed with Luke yesterday, certainly just because combined with Dalvin cook, that the weapons that Minnesota has schematically to attack the Bengals defense. They're going to go with bare fronts. They're going to go with, you know, condensed interior defensive lines, five defensive linemen out there. They're going to bring Von Bell into the box. But once you have that fullback out there, it just gives you another way to be wrong as a defense. And CJ Ham has been very, very good in his career as a run blocker. So there's he some fear ham. there. And so how do you control that? Well, one of those is DJ Reader controlling gaps, right? And the other one is, you know, those other interior defensive linemen dealing with the athleticism of the Minnesota interior defensive line. The Bengals have a strength advantage there, but Minnesota should out-athlete them in that regard. So seeing which of those wins will be important. Who controls those gaps and can Dalvin Cook set up his blocks effectively? But the second part of that is, can Logan Wilson and Jermaine Pratt come up and make the tackles? Are they in position 
at the right time and do they finish the play when they need to? Because Dalvin Cook is one slippery guy. No doubt. And a couple things here. One, Joseph Osai. Imagine having him. Everyone thinks, oh, pass rush. I would love to have his athleticism and his ability in the run game uh, for a game like this. And this hopefully will be the last time I bring him up in a pregame thing. But it just reminded me like, oh, that would be nice. That would be a nice piece to have. Um, With that being said, as you're describing these linebackers, I think back to, again, week two of last year. And Andy Janovich, uh, the fullback for the Browns, and that two-headed monster they have just run after run after run. And Mike Zimmer will do that. Like, that will happen. If you do not shut it down, it'll just be Dalvin Cook City. And it'll be this smothering defense getting after Burrow and hitting Burrow. And on the other side, it'll be Dalvin Cook and and more Cook. So, yeah, this is a good test for Logan Wilson, who's going to be on the headset. He's going to be running the show. And this remade, relooked, revamped defense. And you're right, Pratt. A year ago at this time, Jake, we were talking about how Pratt could maybe take that leap. We didn't see it. it seemed like he was the same player, maybe a little worse in some areas from where, where he was as a rookie. Hopefully we see market improvement week one and we see the flashes because this is a heck of a test early. And those guys are going to be uh, put to the test right away, early and often on Sunday. I think that the coaches have talked Pratt up. I think we'll see a lot of Jermaine Pratt. Like I said, they, they, they're going to play a lot of base. They're going to keep the Bengals in a lot of base defense. And that's the other thing is how much can Mike Hilton get involved? Mike Hilton, who talked to the media about the priority on stopping Dalvin cook. And he's not probably going to be on the field as much in this game. So that will be interesting. We talked with Luke yesterday about the, the value of Trey Waynes as a run supporting corner that has been lost, unfortunately for this team in this game and so we'll see how I, I that asked goes. Lou I asked Lou about that and he kind of and coaches do that right he was just kind of like we have the guys we'll be fine <laughs> one of those it was very brief <laughs> yeah I, I mean I suppose there's some hope that Eli Apple at least is good in that part we just haven't seen anything from Eli Apple and he hasn't been a good pro. they love him I know they love him it's I know. weird it's it really is it's weird I mean who knows though maybe he is the next and I'm talking strictly football standpoint maybe he is the next you know Adam Jones where he comes here and he's a former first rounder and and carves out a not only a niche but plays a, a significant role on defense that'd be great if, if they can get that out of him that'd be great and that's what Malik Wright has been saying by the way since they signed Eli Apple the other uh bit that we haven't talked about in the defensive line very much I mean we talked a little bit about Trey Hendrickson he has a He has a good matchup on the left side of the Vikings offensive line. But on the other side, Brian O'Neill, Sam Hubbard and run game is strength on strength. So if Sam Hubbard is going to be that truly elite run defending defensive end, very good test for him in week one. Brian O'Neill is a very, very good run blocker. And that's what he just got paid for making way for Dalvin Cook on that offense. The other thing, James, that I suppose we haven't talked about yet is, well, how are the Bengals going to deal with those two receivers. Obviously, it's secondary. That's why we're talking about it last year. And if you listen to Mike mm-hmm. Hilton and Lou Anarumo, this is the same order of operations for them as well. But they've talked about, you know, I'm sure Lou Anarumo said, I'm sure Minnesota is comfortable in their one-on-ones or, or confident in their one-on-ones on the perimeter. Jesse Bates, that could be an X factor. Combining that with the pressure we talked about earlier, if Trey Hendrickson can really make waves coming off that left side of the offense and 
force Kirk, Kirk Cousins to improvise, can Jesse Bates go out there and make a play? These are these are the X factors, right? You talked about turnovers. And and the secondary in Jesse Bates is one place where that could really change the the direction and the flow of this game. For sure. I, I look, who knows what happens with Jesse Bates as we record this on Thursday night between now and Sunday. Maybe a deal gets done, maybe it doesn't. Either way, there's pressure here on him to have a hell of a season and and really show that he is one of these elite safeties that he looked like last year. And, and what a way to do it than to have two interceptions in the opener, you know, a pick six that he should have had last year, let's say, or something like that, where he just is a real difference maker. Cause sometimes it's hard to be a real difference maker on the back end there. If they're thrown away from you or, you know, you, you can't pressure the passer on every play or, or anything like that. And I certainly don't want him to have to tackle Dalvin cook a bunch. Cause that's, it means the Bengals are, are struggling in that area. So yeah, that's, that's going to be the key. And I do wonder, Jake, is it going to be one-on-ones? Like we were thinking that they were going to run more zone, you know, as a defense. And that's kind of what they were doing and getting ready to do at least uh, this off season. And then in the preseason, we didn't see much of that. So I do wonder if they go that route. Uh, and if so, does Bates make a play there? Does he, is he the, the X factor or, or just the playmaker, the game changer? Uh, on that side, because when you look at the Bengals, I don't think Trey Hendrickson is that. Maybe I'm wrong. And there's really no one else on defense outside of Jesse Bates that's really a candidate to be that. And, and if he's that, it, it's certainly a game changer, especially against two stud receivers like Thielen, who I love his route running ability, and, and Justin Jefferson, who I think we both loved coming out of the draft. I, I wasn't as high on him as he turned out to be. I thought he, we talked about this with Luke before he recorded yesterday, I think. I think I had a second rounder on him, early second, and he turns out to be, you know, one of the greatest rookie wide receiver seasons of all time. I didn't believe in his ability to play outside, and I was wrong. And he's very, very good there, and he learned some things from Adam Thielen for sure. But, but you make a good point there, James. Who will step up? Will anyone step up on this Bengals defense and – Add to Jesse Bates as a real difference maker. We saw DJ Reader show some flashes of that against the Washington mm-hmm. football team in week two of the preseason. We talked about that with Luke yesterday. If he can do that all year, well, there's a difference maker on the defensive line. If Trey Hendrickson can be the guy they paid him to be, there's another guy. If Chidobe Awuzie can live up to his athleticism and can prove that last that year in Dallas was just a down year for him as he was dealing with injuries in a new scheme, well, there's maybe another guy. But honestly, James, I was... I was talking to Sands today and I was saying, I just, I don't know what to expect from this team yet. I need to see two or three games and get a full snap counts for all these guys. And <laughs> then I'll have an idea of what we're looking at because right now there's just so many different directions that, that this thing could go. If they live up to the coach's potential and vision, or if they don't, and we're going to start to find out before we wrap up, James, I know you think that uh, when we went through the schedule, you, you had the Vikings winning this game in Paul Brown Stadium. What is your, uh, as we record this Thursday, Friday prediction for week one where Anthony Barr, by uh, the way, may or may not play. That's looking a little nebulous. Yeah, he didn't practice on Thursday. That being said, 24-20, I think the offense is, is kind of out of rhythm in that first half, and then they, they hang around and they get in it and they have a chance. But until Zach Taylor wins some close games, am I picking Zach Taylor to win close games? And and that's that's part of it here. Like you said, we don't know what this team is. I think they have the talent to win. I'm just uh, I'm picking them to, to not lay an egg. I think it'll be exciting, but I, I think the Vikings are going to handle business and, and win week one. 
I don't know about handling business. You make it sound as if it's ex- ex- expected for the Vikings. I think this will be a, a they're, they're three point favorites. They're three point favorites which, on the road, which is significant. But it's not like being eight and a half point favorites like Tampa Bay is against Dallas. And by the time you've listened to this, you'll know how that line went most likely. I mean, look, Tom you're Brady, betting two baby. things Tom here. Brady. You're you're betting the under if you're saying twenty four to twenty. Because I think the over-under in this game is set at like 47 or something. And you're saying Joe Burrow's not going to cover. And I think he covered all but like one game he played in his rookie year. But don't quote me on that because I am not a gambler. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. D- don't, don't, don't do that. Don't it's, analyze my score and not give a prediction. Oh, and no. I know you're not going to give a prediction. Look at you breaking down my score. That's correct. Oh, my God. I, I think but, the Bengals have a great shot in this one. I hope you're right. I, I hope... I hope they're one and zero because they've never been one and zero since you've been on this podcast. <laughs> they they've been one and zero since I did the podcast because oh. I did it before you started out back in 2017 and 2018. Lift the curse of Lisco and let the Bengals right. win their season opener. Right. Hey, that's going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. We'll be back on Sunday after the game with a recap of hopefully a Bengals win. Until then, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.